This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. A uh, very long time ago, a long time ago, about 20 years ago, I'm glad Mason's not here because it's a story about him. We were invited to a friend's house. And uh, we went to the same church back in the day before Mosaic Church. I used to go to church up the street called Freedom Church. And it was the Scrabbit family, so I'm usually using the real names. Uh, so they invited us to dinner. And we were honored. Um, you know, we, we got to go to their house. And so uh, as soon as we knock on the door, immediately, it was a little bit different than our home, uh, but immediately we were... We, they weren't told, but we could see that you need to take your shoes off. And so uh, I'm glad I changed my socks that morning. And so we take your shoes off, and it's a beautiful house. Uh, they lived in Lafayette Oaks, uh, right off of over there somewhere. And so it was a beautiful house with a big yard. They had three children, uh, two older girls, and a three-year-old son whom they adored. Now, before I go on, does anybody know the Scrabbit family? All right. Uh, hopefully... Uh, Hopefully they can concur with the story, and my kids downstairs uh, will also, and Micah can affirm the story. Uh, so this family, uh, they homeschooled their kids. Uh, we were sending our kids to school, probably public school by that time. And so they had photocopies of presidents all over their kitchen. You guys know what I'm talking about, some of you? You know, so you can see, uh, you know, Kennedy was there, and George Washington, and FDR was in the kitchen, and, and the whole, I think all of them were up in the kitchen. And then if you go into the living room, they had copies of pictures of Deborah, Mary, and Miriam, uh, but those were family members, actually, so um, they weren't Bible characters. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> The dad in the house was very tall, or I would consider a towering man. Um, you know, in my family, Mason is like super tall, you know, so I know, giggling. And so when Mr. Scrabbit said in his deep, towering voice, the husband of the home, that uh, it's time to pray because dinner is ready. The wife said that dinner was ready, so he calls and he says it out loud because the kids were all over the house. Uh, it's time to pray. And immediately, their three kids, I mean, to our amazement, just came to the dinner table. Their heads were bowed, hands were clasped, and they were ready to pray. And Melissa and Micah came uh, pretty quickly, uh, but Mason did not. Mason kept playing. And actually, I could see him because it was one of those where you could see the kitchen, dining room, and then the living room, and then the playroom. It was the longhouse. And I could see him. He just looked up and kept playing. So Mr. Scrabbit, being nice, just decided to say a little bit louder, okay, everyone, come over to the dinner table and it's time to pray. All of us, even the adults, had our heads down, uh, hands clasped, but we were praying and I was praying for God, please help Mason be obedient. <laughs> but Mason didn't budge. He's probably five years old at the time. So I had to do what I had to do, and I lift up my head as he do. He drops his shoulders and slumps over and begins to walk slowly to the dinner table, and he drops his toy, and then he says something that we still remember to this day, and now you're going to know. He literally said, I hate praying. <laughs> and one of the kids said, one of the, the family kids said, did he just say he hates praying? 
And then I tried to cover up and I said, no, I think he said, I hate to stop from playing. <laughs> but then the missus of the house, Mrs. Scrapp says, no, he said, I hate praying. Let me just say that Robin and I were incredibly embarrassed, you know, that we were, they invited the missionary pastor family to come over and one of the pastor kids literally says out loud, I hate praying. Now to make things worse, uh, it was dinner time, so it started getting dark and the kids were having fun. So we all decided to go outside and let them run. And they on their own began to like run race down their long driveway, probably as long as from here to the door. And so they decided to do a race and all the kids lined up and somebody said go and they started running to the end of the driveway, you know, kind of touch the street and come back. Well, unbeknownst to Mason, uh, Mason, who's five years old and he's trying to win, but because he's the youngest of the, the kids, uh, second to the youngest, you know, he was in last place. And as he turns around, he's trying to do his best to, to do well. Unbeknownst to him, the little three-year-old boy of the family, the beloved son was behind because of his age. And when Mason turns around and starts trucking back, hits the boy, the boy goes flying, and uh, we literally want to just get in our cars and leave. <laughs> I, I don't think we talked to them ever again. We were so embarrassed. Beautiful people. Job chapter 31, 32 says... This is interesting. If you have your Bibles, turn to Job chapter 31. Uh, it's an incredible story. Job is, is under intense suffering. He is, everything has fallen apart. His family has, has died. Uh, he's in, in tremendous amount of pain, especially emotional pain. And he says this, which is really interesting. In Job chapter 31, verse 24, he says, If I have put my trust in gold... Or said to pure gold, you are my security. And if I've had rejoiced my great wealth, if I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands had made and gained, if I have regarded the sun in its radiance or the moon moving in splendor so that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage, if I would have served the stars and the moon, then those also would be sins to be judged, for I would have been unfaithful to God on high. Do you see what he's saying? If I would have put my faith in gold, I could see where I needed, I have sinned. If I had to put my faith and hope in the stars and the moon, sun and its stars, then I could see that I have sinned. In verse 29, if I have rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune or gloated over the trouble that they have, that have come to him, I have not allowed my mouth to sin by invoking a curse against their life. He's basically setting up like I have not, if I had done these things, if I have done these things, then there's reasons for me to ask for forgiveness. I have sinned. If I've even set a curse towards a family who has not been filled with Job's food, in verse 32, but no stranger had to spend the night in the street, for my door was always open 
to the traveler. When Job was protesting his sickness, he was, he was, he had set his heart and mind to not sin. And we can see that in Job chapter one, it says this, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. He took it seriously. In the King James, I like the word askew, he spits out. He doesn't play with it, he spits it out. And so here in verse 32, he says in chapter 31, though so, even, in, in, even in all his sickness and his demise, the sojourner has not lodged, has not lodged in the streets. I have opened my doors to the wayfarer stranger. Job took not sinning seriously and not being hospitable was something he kept away from him. He, he had a desire to be hospitable. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says this, contribute to the needs of the saints, practice hospitality, and literally it says pursue hospitality. And I like it in the verb there, it says it's a continuous action. So Romans chapter 12, verse 13 is hospitality is not something you just do at Thanksgiving and or on Christmas, but it is a consistent attitude and practice. Our homes should stand constantly ready for strategic hospitality, a readiness to welcome people who don't ordinarily live there. I just think back to the Scrabbit story. I have no idea, if, I really don't recall if their house was messy or not. I don't even recall what we ate for food. I know that it couldn't have been bad because I think we would recall that. So I'm sure it was good. But what we do recall is that they opened their home to us. Our home should stand ready for strategic hospitality, ready to welcome people who don't ordinary come there. In 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, hold unfailing your love for one another. Since love covers a multitude of sin, practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another. I have a picture of a rocket here. I don't, I'm not a rocket scientist. Is the picture up? There it is. I'm not a rocket scientist, but I know that it is difficult to send rockets into space. I know that it's not easy. Actually, we do have a rocket scientist back here. Yeah, uh, Kim's dad, Ski's a rocket scientist, and he could tell us how difficult it is to get these rockets up into the sky. The physical force of gravity pulls everything to the center of the earth. In order to break free from the earth gravitational pull, thousands and upon thousands of pounds of energy have to be pushed so that the rocket could go into space. And this is a picture of SpaceX, so that it can leave the earth and make it its way to its destination. And I would say the same is true for us. There is a psychological force of gravity that constantly pulls our thoughts, our affections, our physical actions inward 
towards the center of our own lives and it makes us self-centered. I understand this because I could feel it myself. I would say that it's natural, it's natural in the natural world for us to neglect hospitality because it is the path of least resistance. I know that when we have people over the, our house, it's very similar to that, that's the comedian, is like we've gotta get it clean. Now typically I would drive Robin nuts because in my mind clean means let's blow the driveway away, you know, from all the leaves. And she's thinking, no, I need you to vacuum the house. You know, she'll be doing stuff and it's like, where is he? And there I am outside mowing the lawn or, you know, uh, blowing the driveway or blowing the leaves off the roof. And so, of course, who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. That's their natural thing is, you know, just leave it at his and not have anybody come over. But we have to be careful because that gravitational pull of self-centeredness makes no room for hospitality. If left alone, we will forget about it and we will neglect it. And the Bible tells us to stop that. And Job's life, you know, he's, he makes it a point that he's not gonna fall into sin and not being hospitable is falling into that category. What God is gonna challenge us this morning, and I pray you and me this morning, is he's going to tell us to stop and to begin to build a launching pad, to fill our tanks, our fuel tanks, uh, so that we can escape this self-centered life that uh, is really propagated on us and is encouraged and everything we watch, everything that we see and hear in the culture tells us to be selfish. But God wants us to build a launching pad. He wants us to, to fill our fuel tanks with the Holy Spirit so that we can get out of this orbit of self-centeredness. We need to stop neglecting hospitality and we need to start practicing hospitality. At my dad's funeral, one of the things that drove us nuts, and I shared this at the funeral, is that my dad, uh, you know, it could be Christmas Eve night, it's the family gathering, and all of a sudden a stranger will walk in. And like, who is that? You know, and so my dad met somebody at the gas station and they said they were by themselves and next thing you know, they're at the Solari Christmas Eve celebration. Begrudgingly, all of us just kind of grumbled under our breath. And then it wouldn't be, it would be that case for Easter dinner and it wouldn't matter. It could be the most, uh, you know, it's an, he actually tried to invite someone, uh, a stranger to my daughter and my niece's wedding. And so, and my niece's like, no, we have a you know, set list and, and that's it. So that was, that was my dad. Uh, one of the reasons we're here in the United States as a family, instead of a God-forsaken God town in Colombia, is that there was uh, a, um, a missionary that would come to that God-forsaken part of Colombia and he would come and my dad would open his house to this missionary. And then when my, my dad's uh, business burned down, this missionary who lived in New York invited him and the family to be, and they sponsored our family to come to the States. It was out of the, the, the gift of hospitality that the, the Lord graced us with his grace and mercy. And hospitality has to do with the Lord. If it had nothing to do with God, I wouldn't push it, I wouldn't promote it, I wouldn't challenge you with it. 
But God is serious about hospitality. He tells us to love strangers because we too were once strangers, were we not? We were strangers. And we know if you read the Exodus story that, that the, uh, the Israelites were living in Egypt and they were strangers in a strange land and God brought them, they, he was being hospitable and brought them to a new place. And he continues, says, I am the Lord your God. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And so as a, as a body of believers at Mosaic Church, we need to value what God values. And when we value what God values and we act on, the, on the, the gift of hospitality, we begin to be hospitable, I believe we do it for God's glory. Now, of course, we could just, uh, Ross just led us in communion and we talked about the ultimate act of hospitality was when Jesus Christ died for sinners to make everyone who is a believer a member of the household of God. So we were no longer strangers. We were no longer wandering around. We have come home to God and everybody who trusts in Jesus finds a home in Christ. Jesus set the example of hospitality so we could feel uh, like we belong in this home. He sent his son to die so that sinners could have hospitality in heaven. Ephesians 1 says he destined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. He did it for the praise of the glory of his grace. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. So the ultimate foundation of, a Christ, of Christian hospitality is God's unwavering commitment to glorify the freedom and all sufficiency in his grace. So when you and I look back, we can see at the cross what he did for us. He was being hospitable to us. God set the example. We were once strangers and aliens, but God came to us through the cross and made us alive and brought us through what I would call the, the Red Sea conversion. When we practice hospitality, we, we experience a joy and God wants us to be conduits of God's hospitality rather than I would call a self-decaying dead end or uh, you know some people and I, my mom and dad one time lived in a cul-de-sac. You know, it was, just a, it was a dead end. It's a nice way of saying dead end. When God gives us that grace and love and mercy and, he allow, and he's been hospitable to us, he wants us to be a conduit and not a cul-de-sac. Because if we become a dead end, if we become a cul-de-sac and just receive his grace and never give it out, we become, I would say, decaying dead ends. There is joy in receiving God's gift of hospitality, and it's, there's joy in giving that grace of hospitality. But if not, it begins to decay and dies in us, and we no longer will become hospitable to others. And I pray that we would not be the dead ends of God's grace. We need to practice hospi hospitality. I love it when we practice hospitality, there's a feeling of God's power in us. Conquering, you know what? Conquering fears. Conquering stinginess. 
conquering all the psychological stuff that goes in our heads that makes us say, you know what, I don't, I'm afraid to fail, I don't want, maybe they won't like my food, or maybe the house is not big enough, or maybe the house isn't nice enough, and maybe we don't live in the right neighborhood. All those things, the enemy's just putting in our heads where God just wants us to open our home. One of the best places I've ever been to in my whole life was this little slum house in some back roads of Quito, Ecuador. And this, uh, it was about an hour from Ecuador, uh, Quito, and we went to this, this pastor's house and uh, I made our mission team that no matter what they gave us, we are going to eat. Unbeknownst to us, I didn't know what they were gonna give us. And, and uh, I guess they're called field lima beans and you're supposed to eat just the inside, and I didn't know it, and I, was trying to, and I was trying to make the whole team, and we were all like eating the whole thing, which we shouldn't have done. And I just thanked the Lord for Coca-Cola that day. I, I, I needed a couple liters just to, to down everything. But they opened their home, literally dirt floors. It was a rough-made dining table with a bench-style seat. And those people served us. I literally felt like I was eating in the house of the Lord. I was so humbled by their generosity and their hospitality. We need to be a people who love to reflect the glory of his grace and extend it to others in all types of hospitality. So what might you ask? I'm not gonna to go too long this morning. What might that look like? I think you need to be strategic. Now, I don't like to, I don't know, quite honestly, I think as a church, we do a pretty good job. There are some of you that do a fantastic job. And I really appreciate it. So when I hear, like I had these people over, that just brings joy to in my heart as a pastor, and I hear a lot of that. But I just wanna make sure I say what God wants us to hear to all of us. When, I believe when you're spirit-led and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you're praying and you're reading, he, he, he begins to allow your mind and your heart to be strategic. And then you start thinking, who can I invite? Who can I invite? so that these people could experience the deep, deep experience of God's hospitality, using my home as a place for God's grace through hospitality. One of the things that softened my heart, because I was, I was a rebel. I was, you would not like me if you knew me before I knew Christ. You would not become a church here, all right? If you knew who I was uh, back then, you'd, you'd, you'd second guess it. But my youth pastor uh, fooled me and he, he asked my dad to come do some plumbing work and I hated going with my dad to do plumbing work because usually my dad had a bucket of plumbing pieces. He would dump it and then find the piece and then tell me to pick up all the pieces. I used to hate it, especially when you're 17 years old. So my youth pastor convinced my dad that he had some plumbing work, but I didn't know it was all a ruse 
and they had a surprise birthday party for me. It just literally took me back. And I could see, especially looking back, that I got to experience something from the Holy Spirit that I don't think I could have experienced anywhere else. Not at a Chuck E. Cheese, not at a you know, Pizza Hut restaurant, but it happened in this guy's home that he opened up and just brought out, I don't even know what the cake looked like, but it softened my heart. So how can I draw the most people into a deep experience of God's hospitality using my home as a place of that hospitality? A spirit-led person asked, who might need reinforcement right now? Someone in our church could be struggling with loneliness. And so when we walk in this church, we ask the Lord, help us to see with your eyes, help us to look, help us to be led by the Holy Spirit. Maybe it doesn't even look like anybody's lonely here, but the Holy Spirit can prompt into your heart and you don't actually have to say, are you lonely? Just allow the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? Um, you, would you like to come over on Thursday night for a quick meal? It's not gonna be anything fancy, but just come on over. But there are people I'm sure who battle loneliness. And if it's not me this week, it might be me next week. And so we have to be aware as the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Let's be open to where the Lord might lead us. Maybe someone is battling against loneliness. We don't really have to do this, but I know that certain churches do a good job. I remember Evangel Church, my father-in-law was one of them. He would invite what they would call shut-ins. Do you guys know what shut-ins? These are people that are old, that can't drive anymore, and can't go anywhere, but they're living at home. So, you know, they get food delivered to them through, uh, you know, senior uh, programs. And so they're shut-ins, so the pastors would go visit them and offer hospitality. So maybe there are people who battle against loneliness that feel like they're alone and the enemy's working on them overtime and we can be a, a, a conduit of grace with hospitality. A spirit-led person asked, who, who are some people I can bring together in my home and we can strategically begin to plan a ministry for the sake of the kingdom. So we have a brand new ministry going on. I, um, William and Enrique and Joel uh, are all single and we just started a program called Single Ministry. And again, I, talking to William, you know his heart was that maybe there are people who, who struggle with being alone and would like to do things together as friends. And so uh, it was something that he brainstormed with, you know, the Lord spoke to him and him and Enrique and Joel, it didn't come from me, it came from the Lord speaking to them. So who could we put together and, uh, and, and begin to strategically together over a meal, over a pizza, uh, and begin to strategically think, how can we expand the kingdom of God? My, uh, Eric is not here, but he, uh, would have people over his house from time to time, and he, he would tell me, they would be great in this area. And so I approached this one young lady and I asked her, would you be willing to help 
in, by Eric's strategic hospitality, him and Melise. And so I was able to contact someone in our church and say, hey, can you, can you help us strategically in this other area of ministry? And she immediately said, yes, that would be awesome. Spirit-filled, God-pleasing believers strategize how to make hospitality of God known and felt all over the world. From a lonely church member to even we give through missions. We're, we, okay, we're not in Sri Lanka, but we have a missionary that we support in Sri Lanka helping and being. So all I'm gonna finish here is don't ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit working powerfully in your living room or at your dining table. God will use your dining table and your living room as a launching pad so that we can escape the self-centeredness gravity that's pulling on us all the time and will launch you into being used as a conduit for the, God's grace to be bestowed upon his people. We have a ministry of hope and we have a mission. So let me encourage you to invite someone into your home, I would say the next three months. You could be hospitable even in this, in this room by just being kind to a newcomer, maybe help them to find the restrooms, especially the ladies' bathroom, right ladies? I mean, it's gotta go through a maze to get there. Uh, let your smile, let your warm smile be the beginning of the door of hospitality to a newcomer. And I'm gonna ask us to dream and plan about how we can be strategic in our hospitality that God has orchestrated to allow it to be in our sphere of influence. So I go back to that story of the Scrabbits and even after Mason knocking their son to you know, 10 yards down and, I, and the, the poor kid hit his head on, on the pavement and he had a knot in his head. Um, it changed our lives in a, in a great way. It made an impact. It made an impact. Many of you know throughout the years, Robin and I have opened our homes uh, literally to thousands of people and we enjoy it and we have felt God's grace we have felt God's grace and his breath breathing on us, blowing in our sails. Not because I'm some sort of eloquent uh, pastor, and not because you know I'm the brightest or the best looking, although I think I'm top two in the church. Um, I believe God's grace has been with us because of, of hospitality. There are times I remember, and maybe some of you ladies that were there, we would have um, college students come over, the ladies, girls sleepover, and I would make pancakes in the morning for them. But I remember uh, walking, you know, they're all in their sleeping bags, walking over them, and I'm like, who is that in the curlers? Um, and so, but I'm sure if you talk to them, all they remember is that they had a, someone open a home and gave them the, the gift of grace through a pancake, 
or whatever my wife would do with the other team leaders and to open your home and show them grace through hospitality. So this morning I wanna challenge you to open your home. So every Thanksgiving, we have people who are, are by themselves and I, I think it would be good for us to start thinking ahead strategically. Now, if we wanna get down to the nitty gritty, I would ask you, have you had Enrique into your house? Enrique lives alone, he's far from his family, they live in Africa, um, but he's a wonderful person. He's been to my home many times, haven't you, Enrique? And we love when he comes over, but there, and I'm not trying to, don't everybody inundate Enrique to come over. <laughs> don't do that today. But it, would, it wouldn't be bad if you had him over to your house. But there are others in our church. It could be a simple step of that. Not necessarily inviting a stranger. Maybe you're not ready for that, but he's not a stranger. And so let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that tomorrow there'll be an awesome day of celebration. Uh, but Lord, I pray, God, that you would open our heart. And Lord, there may be someone who can be invited to that celebration that our families have planned already. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for being the prime example, the beautiful example of hospitality so that we can feel at home in our new home through only through Jesus Christ. We can say thank you, Lord. Help us to take hospitality serious, very much like Job did. And Lord, even though he was under duress, didn't have time, didn't have money, he made sure that he did not fall into sin by not taking hospitality seriously. Lord, I pray, God, that you would fill us up. Fill us up, Lord, that we might leap out of the gravity pull of selfishness and self-centeredness. And Lord, it's strong. It's so strong. Lord, help us to open our homes to be a conduit of grace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, thank you guys for being here. Pray for those families that are traveling, and I pray that you have a wonderful week. May the Lord bless you. Uh, how do I normally start it again? May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed. If you like